Well, that's, uh, that's great news. That's really good news. <clears throat> well, good morning. I will ask for your prayers this morning. Um, I got off work at uh, about 6 in the morning. Um, we had a very, very busy night. Um, so if I fall asleep, you guys are all dismissed. Um, we'll start lunch early. Um, so for those that have uh, been spending time with me uh, in the recent weeks and months, uh, know that I've uh, been continuing uh, my thoughts in the book of Jonah. And um, uh, we, you can turn to there if, you, if you'd like. Uh, spoke several months ago, we, we, we covered Jonah chapter 1, um, and uh, we left Jonah in a very uh, sticky situation. He was overboard and floating in the ocean. Um, the next time we gathered, we uh, covered chapter 2, um, and uh, Jonah was in the belly of a fish, and we left him there. So um, we're going to get Jonah out of the belly of the fish today. So we'll be in, uh, in, in Jonah uh, in chapter 3, and I'm just going to read, uh, read the chapter, uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, and uh, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Let's just look to the Lord one more time. Heavenly Father, uh, we are so thankful uh, for uh, today. Uh, Father, we are thankful for uh, the privilege we have to come and remember um, your son, uh, that perfect servant, um, that one who went um, all the way to the cross, um, lived a perfect life, and Father, as we remember this morning, died and completely fulfilled um, the uh, task that was laid before him. And Father, we are thankful that he is seated at your right hand, and Father, um, we, we pray that uh, this morning as we open your word, uh, that your spirit would lead and guide our thoughts, um, Father, that our, our hearts would be turned to him, that one who, who paid it all, and all to him we owe. We just ask that uh, you be glorified during this time. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 
Um, so just as a brief recap, for those that perhaps weren't with us, um, we, we opened up the book of Jonah. Jonah is a very interesting book. Um, there's only 48 verses in this entire book. Um, this, this book um, is, is well disputed among uh, people throughout the world. Um, they say that no man could um, be swallowed by a great fish and uh, live to tell about it. Um, we, we, we proved that uh, to, uh, to not be true, that Jonah did in fact um, live, that uh, it is recorded in, in Kings chapter 14 that he was a prophet, and even our Lord Jesus Christ um, uh, proclaimed him as the sign that was going to be to those around him, that there would be no sign given except for the sign of Jonah, that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, Three days and three nights, even so the Son of Man will be in the, in the grave. And as we remembered a few weeks ago, uh, he is risen, or last week, he is risen, and uh, he is now seated at the right hand of God. Um, so the Lord Jesus Christ proclaims Jonah as a prophet and, and confirms that he, he indeed was in the belly of the fish. Um, so the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and uh, Jonah... Um, as we've, we read in chapter 1, he, he arose um, and fled from the pr presence of the Lord. Um, you could divide Jonah into two parts. Uh, chapters 1 and 2, you could just write over them disobedient. And then um, chapters 3 and 4, you could write over uh, obedience loosely. Um, we see in chapter 4, he kind of falls apart again. Uh, but Jonah runs away from the Lord. And um, we see this downward spiral of this prophet. And um, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting picture for us that um, in chapter 1, he, he, he um, gets up, he runs down to Joppa, he, uh, he, he gets on a ship, and it says that he pays a fare. Um, and we looked at several, several months ago the fact that anytime we run and, and flee from the Lord, we always pay a price. We always pay a price. And what we, what we learned soon after that, not only do we pay a price when we're running from the Lord, but those around us pay a price when we're fleeing from the Lord. Um, so Jonah flees from the Lord. He goes down into this ship uh, that's, that's sailing to Tarshish. Um, many believe that Tarshish uh, is, is uh, in modern-day Spain. Um, and he is going in the complete opposite direction of where the Lord had asked him to go. Um, and, and we... We opened up and we looked at um, where Nineveh was and, and who would have been there. And this is the, uh, the Assyrian capital. capital. And uh, this was going to be the, uh, the superpower of that day. And the Assyrians were constantly attacking and harassing and torturing um, the children of Israel, um, specifically in the northern kingdom. And um, we looked at, and, and uh, history and archaeology backs this up, that... Um, the Assyrians were a very um, wicked people. Um, not only would they come in and defeat uh, their enemy, but they, would, um, they were experts at torturing them and, and really cruelly treating um, their victims. Um, and, and we looked at that, and for the sake of time, we won't go into that, but um, uh, it was said that uh, sometimes they would uh, take the heads of all their victims and put them in front of, of, uh, of the army as they were marching into um, to the next battle. So um, they were good at intimidating, torturing, and, and really, really treating Israel badly. And so uh, many people, and if you read the children's books, 
um, paint the picture that Jonah was afraid, um, that he didn't want to go because um, he was afraid that he was going to get captured. Um, well, we don't see that in Scripture. Um, our, our eyes are open to Jonah's heart and the true intents of his heart in chapter 4. And um, we see that um, he didn't want them to hear this message. Um, so Jonah is in this downward spiral, running away from the Lord. He's down in the bottom of the ship. He's fast asleep. And we also looked at the fact that um, oftentimes we, we try to determine the will of God based on the circumstances of life. Um, if there's uh, money in our pocket, if there's gas in the gas tank, um, and, you know, if you know, the plane ticket is open, then all of a sudden that's the will of the Lord, and, and, and we go through that. Well, we see here that there was a boat ready. Um, Jonah had the money in the, in the bank to pay the fare, and we even see him have a peace or a calm where he's able to fall asleep in the bottom of the boat. Um, but we see that not only was he, um, th this was not the case, but he was in complete disobedience to, to the will of God at this point. Um, so the Lord uses several things to get Jonah's attention. Um, and uh, people often think of the book of Jonah as Jonah being the main character, or, or even the whale being the main character. Well, we only have a verse or two about the whale. Um, and um, Jonah is a main character, but he is not the main character of this book. Uh, and the main character is the God of heaven who created the sea and the dry land, as Jonah proclaims later. Um, what we learn about God in this book and the attributes of God are incredible. Um, what God uses and, what, and, and God's um, desire to turn a wayward, disobedient, um, his wayward, disobedient servant back into his will and what God would use to reach a wicked and evil um, city. Um, so Jonah goes down into the boat, he's asleep, and then it says God hurled a great wind at the boat. Um, this last week, um, a couple weeks ago, it was my birthday, and uh, my, uh, my beautiful wife in the back decided to surprise me um, with a fishing trip out of Long Beach. And uh, it was a ple pleasant surprise, and um, some of the guys were on board, and uh, we, went, we went fishing. Um, uh, the weather was not in our favor. Uh, the sea was very angry that day. Um, and uh, it took us a long time to get out to Catalina. And then once we got to the backside of Catalina, um, it was really bad, really, really bad. Um, some got sick, uh, severely sick on the boat. And um, this, the, the boat that we were on was actually a bigger fishing boat and it's used for overnight trips. So there was bunks in the bottom of the boat. So um, one person from the trip, I'm not gonna name him, um, went and fell asleep in the bottom of the boat because he was not having uh, a good trip. Um, you can ask Ricky about that later. <laughs> um, so we got to the back side of the, the, the Catalina and we, we were rigging up and we're putting it in. As soon as we get there, the captain says, uh, the sea's not good. Uh, we're except, expecting a front and we're probably gonna have to turn around and go back. So, we got, I think we got 20 minutes of fishing in, and the captain decided to turn around and come back. Um, it's a good thing he made that call. Um, as soon as we turned the boat around, uh, the sea got really choppy. Uh, 10, 
well, probably eight, 10 foot swells where you couldn't see over the, uh, over the next wave. Um, and, and we're all having a good time and standing in the boat and he's turning around and then we hit one big wave and everybody kind of like stopped and looked at each other like, is this, this is going down? Like, is this happening? <laughs> um, so I've never been in a situation like that. I've never even been on a plane where there's been a lot of turbulence. So that, that, was, a, that was a little, um, we're all kind of judging the distance between the shore and Catalina and see if we can make it. Um, so it, it was interesting and it, it was just interesting to see how vulnerable you are in a boat in an angry storm. And, and this is what God had used to turn this prophet um, around. And he definitely got his attention. So we see the, these, these um, seamen that are on this boat. Um, they were well um, uh, tenured. They had a lot of experience. They would have gone back and forth across the Mediterranean. Uh, this wasn't their first rodeo. And the first thing they do is they start throwing all the cargo overboard. Well, this was their livelihood. This was the whole reason for this trip was to deliver this cargo and to, to get the money. And they were so afraid that they threw it over and that didn't work. And so they, they lightened the boat and that didn't work. And now it's a, it's a, a scatter to see whose fault this storm is. Um, in, in, in the pagan culture, when you have many gods and, and, a, and a god of the, the sun and a god of the rain and a god of the river and a god of all these things, and if, if something happens negatively to the community, um, then that god, whoever controlled that element, is mad. And we got to figure out whose fault this is or what, did I do something and do sacrifices, what, what's going to change this? So now they're on, a, they're, on a, uh, uh, they're on a hunt to figure out who did this. And the captain goes to the bottom of the ship and he, and he cries out, and what's interesting, he says in chapter 1, uh, verse 6, he says, So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call on your God. Now that same phrase, arise and call, is the exact same phrase that's used in, in uh, the first, uh, in verse 2, that God said, arise and go cry out. It's the same phrase. So Jonah is coming out of sleep and he hears this arise and call, except um, it's, a, it's a captain, a pagan captain, telling him to call to his God. So they go up to the deck, and we, and we know the story. Um, they, they begin to cast lots to figure out whose fault this was. Um, when we were on the boat the, the other day, um, we were almost at that point. Um, I, I know it was Ricky's fault, so we didn't really have to uh, cast lots. But... Um, they cast lots, and it says the lot fell on Jonah. And the word of God is very clear. It says, be sure your sin will find you out. Um, if you're turning, if you've turned from God, and if you're running from God, God has um, very um, profound ways um, to put his finger on the sin that's in your life, um, to make it public, to make it known. And, and Jonah, the lot fell on Jonah, and they, now they ask him the questions that they probably should have asked him when he was getting on the boat. Um, where are you from? What's your occupation? What people are you from? And, and Jonah proclaims, he says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea, the very problem that they're in, and the dry land, the very solution, what everybody wanted to get to at that point. Um, and now they're afraid. Now they're afraid because they know that Jonah, because he tells them that he's running from the Lord, and what's interesting in verse 10 is they ask him, why have you done this? Why are you running from the Lord? And um, Jonah doesn't answer them. He doesn't answer that question. 
So they, they turn to him and they say, what, what, do we need to, what do we need to do to get out of this situation? And Jonah answers them and he says, you've got to pick me up and throw me into the boat, or into the ocean. Um, it's interesting that he asks them to pick him up and to throw him overboard. If he was the issue, he knew he was the problem. Why didn't he just jump overboard? Um, but we see a very um, interesting picture, a beautiful picture of Christ here. He says, you have to pick me up and throw me overboard. And um, Jonah was the, the solution to this problem that they were in. And in, in John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus Christ tells Nicodemus, unless the Son of Man be lifted up, okay, and he was going to draw all men to him, um, he must be lifted up and, and, and hang in, in, in between heaven and earth and pay for their sin. And um, uh, Jonah's... Uh, so, so Jonah tells them that he needs to be lifted up and thrown into the ocean. And it says in verse 13, which is very interesting, it says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. Now, you would think at this point they would have tried everything. Um, they lightened the boat. They've casted lots. They figured out. And, and Jonah gives them the answer. You've got to throw me overboard. I, I'm the reason why this is happening. I'm, I'm the solution to the problem. And they said, nevertheless, they rode hard. And, and it's a picture to us of when we hear the gospel, when we hear that um, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy and his grace and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on the cross, he saved us. And um, these men try to work their way out of this situation, out of the judgment of God. And it says they couldn't because it's, the sea grew more and more angry and, and more uh, tempestuous. Um, and then finally, we see them uh, give up and they turn to God. And it says, uh, we pray, O Lord, in verse um, 14, do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with the innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it as you pleased. So they picked him up and throw him in. You see, these men cared more about one life than Jonah did about 120,000 men and women that were in the city of Nineveh. They had more concern. And what they do is they turn to the God of heaven, um, and, and they finally believe what Jonah has said, and they cast him into the sea, and then the sea goes glass, like glass. And the, it says, the man feared God exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They've turned to God from their sin, um, and we see, we see good come out of Jonah's disobedience here. Um, and so Jonah, Jonah uh, is, is, is at this point floating in the ocean. God has cre uh, prepared this great fish, and this fish comes and swallows Jonah, and he's now in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And the interesting verse that we have in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed. Um, it wasn't until he had hit rock bottom that he turns to the Lord and cries out for, for salvation. Um, he, he, in all, see, for us, we know the end of the story. We know that he was vomited out. If you think of Jonah, Jonah was swallowed by this fish. He thinks he's going to die. In this, in this, uh, the lights are out. Um, he's in the belly of a fish, and he thinks this is it. And he pr prays this beautiful prayer, uh, a tapestry of all these psalms weaved together. And the psalm, the prayer closes in verse 9 of chapter 2, and he says, Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. And that's the theme of this entire book. Um, salvation is of the Lord. We, as human beings, have messed it up. Um, we've sinned. We've fallen short of God's perfect and righteous standard, and the Bible proclaims that salvation is of the Lord. 
Um, there's, there's two religions in this world. There's only two. There's the religions that says do. You have to do something in order to earn favor with God. And then there's the religion that says done. Uh, done is the work that saves. Um, and this is what we see, that salvation is of the Lord. So with that long intro, we'll look at chapter 3. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, um, aren't, we, aren't you glad this morning that we serve the God of the second chance? Um, who, doesn't, uh, who doesn't strike us down um, when we've disobeyed or wandered away, um, but will use whatever it takes to bring us back to him. Um, and so the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. If we had this, the, chapters 1 and 2 aren't necessary. They weren't needed. Um, had Jonah obeyed when he was first given the call to go cry out to this, this people, we could have avoided that whole scenario um, and, and, and all that heartache and trouble and fear. Um, so the importance of obedience, obeying what, what God has said to us. And it says, he says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose. Um, the, 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 spon the response that he should have had at first. And it says, he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, depending on where he was dropped off, uh, I personally believe that the fish brought him right back to Joppa, where he got on the boat, um, just to kind of teach him, you got to retrace your steps. Um, and that would have made the journey a little bit longer to Nineveh. But even if he traveled up the coast and dropped him off at the closest place to Nineveh, um, he's, it was still about a 200-mile journey. So um, Jonah had some time to think and to, to go over this. And it says that now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Um, how long did he spend in the belly of the fish? Three days. Um, that time that he could have spent and, and finished the work that God had uh, laid out for him. But it says that this city was uh, a great city, three days in extent. Um, Scholars and archaeologists and many people go back and forth on what this means. Um, it, it could mean that the, the diameter of the city was three, three days long. It, it would take you that long to, to, to work your way through it. Or that um, if you took the circumference of the city and went to every gate that was in the city and proclaimed, um, it would take three days to get around. Um, I'll leave that up to you. But it, 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 the, the picture that we're painted in the Bible is that it was a very large city, a metropolis, uh, a superpower, um, and, and um, a lot of people in here. And it says, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and he cried out and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Um, uh, we had talked about this a few months back, but we were discussing who the greatest gospel preacher in the Bible was. And uh, my, my knee-jerk reaction was either, you know, uh, Paul or the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, somebody that went, went through. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest gospel preacher. Um, but if we, if we look at numbers, um, Paul and even Peter um, stands up and, and gives a message, and 3,000 people get saved. Um, that's a good message. 
That's a, that's a, good, that's a good time. Um, but here we see Jonah proclaiming a message and 120,000 people, okay, could be more, could be more. These could be, the 120,000 we see in chapter 4 could represent only the children. Um, but if that's the case, then we're upwards of 800,000. But he preaches a message, and an entire city turns to God. Um, and what message did he preach? What kind of message did he preach? Um, this has struck me um, severely as, uh, you know, dealing with um, people and witnessing and, and things like that. And um, we like to sugarcoat the gospel. Um, we like to make it, we like to add our flavor to it and make it taste good. Um, and and we, we only talk about the love of God. And the love of God is very important. Um, there's two verses that unlock this book. Um, John 3.16 um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, if, if you ask Drake to quote that, um, he'll say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, um, but have liberty and justice for all. Um, both, both are okay. Um, we do have liberty once we are saved. And we, and, and we are justified in God's sight. But um, the second verse, and I think the one that more fits this book, is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come and turn to him. Um, so we see that Jonah preaches this message of destruction. Now, why wouldn't Jonah, if Jonah was given this message, whatever it was, five, six, a month ago, whenever this book, whenever this journey started, um, he was given a message of judgment. Now, you would think that if Jonah had this disdain for this people, that he, you know, he was tired of them picking on Israel, um, he even hated them. He even had a hatred for them because of how they treated the, the, the children of Israel, that if God gave them, him a message of judgment, you would think that he would jump at the opportunity to, to proclaim it to them. Um, but we don't see, we don't see that. We see that Jonah is, is angry, and, and we'll look at that in, in a few minutes. But it says, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Um, the message of the gospel is very simple, um, very simple. Um, it starts off with some really, really bad news. All have sinned. The Bible says that um, every single person on the face of this planet was born a sinner, um, this is proven. I have um, two and a half kids. Um, one will be due at the end of this next month. And um, my one-year-old girl, who doesn't even know that many words, um, she's already a sinner. Um, she's already taking things that's not hers, being disobedient, and things like that. We are born sinners. Um, no one in this room would claim to be sinless. I know that. Um, and the Bible proclaims this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says the soul that sins dies. Um, that's an eternal separation from God um, and in a, a place that we're going to look at in a, in a few minutes. But the Bible also says this is where the bad news turns good. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That he was on a mission to redeem you, to pay the penalty uh, that you deserve, that I deserved, that this world deserved. Um, and he came into this world to save sinners. And then it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Um, it's a simple message. Um, but it's also a message of judgment. 
Um, you're given a choice um, to, to accept what Christ has done for you on that cross, that he paid your debt that you could not pay, and that you put your faith and trust in that, that finished work, and, and you are saved, the Bible proclaims. Um, but if you reject that, um, the Bible is very clear of where you will spend eternity. And let's look at Mark chapter 9 real quickly. Mark chapter 9. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was here, um, said a lot of things, um, but there was one place that he, he spoke about more than any other. And in Mark chapter 9, um, we, we have this uh, uh, Jesus teaching, and um, there's a story of a Sunday school teacher um, that was trying to get his, uh, his students to memorize the Bible. And every week that he would tell them, you got to memorize one verse, and he would give them the verse. Um, and, and, and they would come back the next week and recite the verse. Well, one week he gave them three verses, and the kids are like, there's no way. I can't, I can't learn three verses. That's just above, and I can't do it. And he says, it's gonna, uh, you have to learn Mark chapter 9, verse 44, verse 46, and verse 48. It says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This is the, this is the, the, the judgment that awaits those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a place that, that doesn't end. Um, eternity um, for us has a beginning, but it doesn't have an end. And the moment you die, if you've rejected what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, um, you will spend eternity in a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Um, this was a place not created for you. Um, God did not create this place for, for people. It was created for uh, Satan and his followers. Um, but the Bible is also very clear if we took, turn to Revelations chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. <clears throat> and it said, Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And we could add, where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. An eternal separation from God. Um, a God who loves you, a God who sent his son in your place, punished him at, for, for you, died in your place. He paid the price in full. Every sin that you've committed from the moment you were born to the moment you die has been paid for. And the gospel says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This was a message that Jonah preached to these people, that, that judgment is coming. And, and this is a message that, that you're hearing today. Judgment is coming. Um, the, the, the statistics are, are staggering. Um, one out of every one person dies. Um, you will die one day. Um, in my line of work, um, we see death on a, on a daily basis, and, and it, it strikes me um, to, to just look at that lifeless body and think, where are they right now? Um, where are they going to spend eternity? Um, I pray that this morning you make that decision. 
that you, that you see that you are a sinner, that you have fallen short of God's perfect standard. Only perfect people can go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. You have to be 100% perfect in order to go to heaven. And we've just heard that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there was a perfect man who died on the cross for you and for me, and he wiped our slate clean. And by putting our faith and trust in that work, we can know for sure that we will spend eternity with him in heaven. So back to Jonah. Jonah preaches this message of, of judgment, and he, and he warns the people. He cries out to the people. He says, in 40 days, this place will be overthrown. And it says, and this is the key in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. Um, I'm a very uh, skeptical person, um, and, and uh, I always think worst-case scenario, and that's just how I think. Um, then if it turns out okay, then it's like, all right, it's, it was a present surprise. Um, if I'm Jonah and I'm preaching to these Assyrian people, these people that probably have skeletons and just blood and just you, you just can imagine what Jonah would have seen going into this wicked town, um, he's got to be thinking, this is, yeah, right. There's no way that they're going to do this. They're not, they're not going to believe. Um, but it says that they believed God. And it says a fast was proclaimed. Um, and, and they put on sackcloth, and they sat in ashes. And this was done from the greatest of them, from the king himself, down to the very last person. And even farther than that, they even put sackcloth and ashes on their animals um, in order to to uh, turn to God and, and to believe this message that this prophet has set, uh, given them. And what's interesting, I think, I, we see in, in verse 6, it says that the word, of, uh, the word came to the king of Nineveh. Now, now, this is where everybody would probably stop and look and see, well, okay, what is the king going to do? Let's see what he does. And, what, and we see his, his reaction. It says that he arose from his throne. He arose from his throne. That, that throne which represents the position of authority. Um, a, a judgment seat, a, a seat that's raised above all the other seats. And it says, he arose from his throne. And what does he do? He lays aside his robe, that, that probably beautiful robe that would have represented all the wealth and money and everything that he has, he has done and had. And what does he do? He takes it off. And he said, and he, and he, what does he put in exchange? He says he covers himself with sackcloth, a, a, a a garment that is worn by the poor, and he sits in ashes, a symbol of mourning. He turns from his wicked ways. And, and what's interesting is that he proclaims a fast, or he, proclaim, he, he sends out a decree into all the land. He says, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Their eyes were opened to the sin that they had committed. They, they saw their wickedness and their evil ways. And, it, and in verse 9, he says, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Um, when Jonah proclaims this message, he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
that's all we have. That's the only message we have. We can't, we can, we can kind of guess or maybe add something, or he probably told them how to do it. We don't have that in the scripture. All we have is that, Mo, that Jonah went around town and proclaimed this, um, this judgment that was coming upon them. But we see that they turn. Why did they turn? How did they know? Well, they saw that this God of heaven gave them 40 days. Um, they gave them 40, he gave them 40 days to turn from their wicked ways. Um, he didn't strike them down. Um, he gave them time, and he gave them grace, and, and, and he was long-suffering towards them. And it says in verse 10 that then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways and relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. We see the reaction of this people that heard a message of judgment. They heard, and, and, and their eyes were open to their sin, and they turned to God. And what, did, what do we have in verse 10? We have that God saw their works. He saw their works. Um, repentance, repentance. The, uh, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he began his earthly min, uh, ministry, um, his message to the crowd and to the masses was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, repent. Well, what does it mean to repent? Well, the king, in his decree, gives us the definition of repentance. He says in verse, um, in verse 8, turn, uh, cry mightily to God and turn from your evil ways. Um, that's what repentance is, turning to God from your sin. And that's what the gospel says, to turn to God from your sin. Um, and it says that God saw their works. It was an outward display of an inward change that had taken place. Um, it wasn't as if they just said, yep, I believe it, and they continued on their merry way, continuing in their sin. No, there was a dramatic, drastic change, and it affected every single person in that town. So, so what do we learn about God in this? Um, we learn, and, and, and as we will uh, next time, we will learn that God uses um, everything to get our attention. Um, he uses the elements. He uses situations that we're in. And um, he uses um, uh, other people in our lives to turn us towards him. And he also, and the greatest tool that he uses is the word of God. Um, and and, and it's, it's proclaimed, and it's, it's true, and it's perfect, and it contains the gospel message that salvation is of the Lord, um, that, that we're all sinners, we've all fallen short, that the soul that sins dies, and that Jesus Christ came into this world. His sole mission, his sole purpose was to save sinners, um, and he went all the way, and as we remembered last week, um, Easter Sunday, that not only did he die on the cross, but that he was in the, the grave three days, that picture of Jonah being in that belly of that fish three days, and he rose again, and he's no longer there, um, but he's seated at the right hand of God, and has remembered this morning that he is interceding for us, he's interceding for you, um, the God of heaven that created the sea and the dry land is loving, he's patient, he's kind, he's not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. Um, Andrew picked um, a, a great um, song, and, and no, no, it wasn't just Andrew, but um, that, that last song that we sang, What Will You Do With Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Um, and the chorus reads, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. You can't stand in the middle. Um, you have to choose one or the other. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Um, there are two judgment seats in the Bible. One is the great white throne judgment. Um, and this is a judgment seat that you do not want to be standing in front of. Because this is the judgment seat that we see and we read about in Revelations chapter 20, where it says, if your name is not found written in that book, you'll be cast into a lake of fire. How do you get that, your name written in that book? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we just want to thank you once again for the opportunity to open your word, to, to look at um, this prophet Jonah, um, a prophet who was disobedient, who uh, fled from your presence. And Father, um, you had to use many things to get his attention. But Father, we are thankful that a greater than Jonah has come. And in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was perfectly obedient to your will. Um, that he went all the way up to, up to the, that cross, willingly allowed himself to be nailed on that tree, and as he was suspended between heaven and earth, took all the wrath, all the judgment that we deserved, that was due to our account. And Father, we are thankful that he wiped that clean by the shedding of that precious, perfect blood. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for him this morning. Father, I just pray for anyone in this room who has not made that decision on what they will do with Jesus. Father, I pray that you will not give them rest. They will not leave this room before they know for certain where they will spend all eternity. Father, we are so thankful that you are a gracious, loving, patient God and that you're not willing that any of us should perish. And Father, that you, you've done everything in your power to save us. And Father, the rest is left up to us. Father, we are so thankful for um, your son and his finished work. Father, we pray that you would um, part us with your blessing. Father, we pray for this food that we're about to partake next door. And we just pray uh, that you bless the hands that prepared it and bless the time of fellowship to follow. We pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.